Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined, as always, by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Got a, uh, a fun episode coming up. We've got our usual round of news to cover a little bit later, and a special guest. We're going to be talking about some Mac stuff, so that should be entertaining, right? I think so, yeah. And Daniel, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, I think, <laughs> Peter. Thank you for asking. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? What's that? Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Go sports ball. <laughs> Go local sports team. Yeah. Right. You, you, I mean, you watch the Stanley Cup, right? Is that the only yeah, Stanley big Cup thing you would cool. watch? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, so for me, I don't know about you guys, but like uh, NFL, baseball, it, they just don't do it for me. I, I know NFL is not baseball, just yeah. for the record. Good. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Send hockey, your letters to Don. Hockey is my sport, and this is not a good year for the Red Wings, so it's uh, it's been rough watching. For, for the record, my father loved football, baseball, basketball, and there was the problem. Yeah. To your disappointment. I just, <laughs> he, he took it real serious. Yeah. In for we, we are neglecting our guests. Children. So let me, <laughs> let me welcome in our special guest today. Uh, Justin Escar is the CEO and president of Virtua Computers. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, I have the opposite problem, which is I'm not into sports, and my son is into all of them. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's fun. Perfect. We're going to get good at sports. <laughs> at least <laughs> pretending to like. At least that means you're not like the dad that's going crazy right. on the sideline and and getting um, in fights. But you could no. you could work up. He to always it. wants to practice with me, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, you're probably like you probably teach me a thing or two. This is like this. this is the opposite of the uh, of the song. Yeah, uh, what was it? The cats in the cradle. Yeah, <laughs> you're like I, I like, I'd love I'm to not, play that. I in terms of sports, though, in terms of sports, uh, thanks to Netflix and that drive to succeed uh, documentary, I'm really into Formula One, and I got into it this year. <laughs> and now my entire like our entire family watches. My wife, my my seven year old, even my two year old watches it, and we watch it in a way as if we've always watched it like we act like we know what's going on be like i can't believe what verstappen just did around turn 29 what's wrong with him <laughs> as if we have any idea what any of us are talking about nice mm-hmm. well, at least you dove in head first you yeah know. sounds like the documentary yeah. worked all right well let's get to know more <laughs> about you uh more than just the the racing family uh in our first segment which is rapid fire questions who do you work for what's new who are you what's happening what's wrong with you all right, Justin, in this segment, we are going to rapidly fire questions at you. You'll see a timer appear on the right side of your screen. You'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Oh, like wait, that. No, wait, wrong one. There you go. Slightly different buzzer today. Uh, and then we'll move on to the next question. I kind of like the first version I know. better. Yeah, I might do that. <laughs> so uh, we will be rotating through each of us. The first question will be coming at you from Peter. All right, so I'll give you the softball. So can you give us kind of the overview of Virtual Consulting, what you guys do there? Sure. Virtual Consulting is a company all about Macs. So we have Virtual Computers, which is our IT MSP, where we take care of clients who have Macs. Virtual Consulting is we are business coaches and consultants for uh, IT consultants, mainly people who have to do Macs, but we can do PCs. 
We have Virtual XYZ, which is our software and hardware arm, where we have apps for IT consultants and hardware, such as our Virtual Doc, and Virtual Conferences, which is our learning section, um, which is the host of ACES Conference, which is all about the business side of IT consulting. So we, we run that gamut of helping end users and the people who are supporting end users. All right, now you have a real company with a real job, and you make real money, all supporting Max. And I know for for decades, Macs were kind of regarded as only something that were used in schools or by graphic designers. Or but Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that has changed recently. Out of work, so, graphic designers. So, uh, well, yeah, absolutely, because you got to buy that Mac. Uh, so how does it look today, though? You know, now, I think it feels like there's a lot more acceptance for Macs. Are you seeing that in, in a lot more diverse organizations? Well, I mean, you, you have some right there on your desk. So, like, I think that answers the question right there, right? Um I would say the majority of my clients are graphic design still, a lot of nonprofit. Um, and then we do have a smattering of like medical and real estate, marketing departments, things like that. I would say that the, the market share has gone up for sure. And, and with help of companies like IBM coming out, what was it, like four years ago and saying Macs are cheaper in the long run than, than Windows machines. I think Macs still have that problem of there's not the software for the Mac and therefore the software developer isn't going to make the software for the Mac. Therefore, there's not Macs in that industry. Therefore, the software developer is not going to make software for that Mac and that cyclical problem that we always have. But if someone decides, hey, I'm going to change the landscape and do you know, better law software for Macs, you're going to see more, more law offices with Macs and things like that. Was that Siri that just turned off the light? In your, I don't uh, change the color. Oh, that would change. I saw something. Changed. You know what? I think the battery died. I mean, you're telling us how great Macs are, and I'm assuming that was a Mac issue. Luckily, this is made in China and not a Mac. Okay, as are Macs. Yeah, I was gonna say, we're, we're, but designed in Cupertino. Yeah, yeah, designed, yeah, yeah. designed in Cupertino. This is designed Assembled. in yeah. my backyard. Yeah, you know also designed is? in China. This is a great little light if you if it's charged. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got to get into nonprofits if they're using Macs. I mean, yeah. apparently, there's good money in nonprofit. Uh, so moving on, question for me is going to be about, you know, your company has obviously been around since well before the pandemic. Do you find it now in the last couple of years that it's more or less difficult to explain how to do a four button click shift <laughs> command this, that or the other over a Zoom meeting? Is this what it's going to be in the uh, No, it's not. It's it's not more difficult. And, and I'll tell you why. Because of the way I built my company and I built my company on culture more than anything else. But... <clears throat> If you if you were the kind of person who could, who can't talk human and you can't translate tech to human, pandemic or not pandemic, you're not going to succeed because I think the culture of how you speak to your clients and build up your business is going to be more important than anything else. So you know, walking a client through something and speaking human is is one of the core competencies of our business. So the pandemic the pandemic really had no effect on us well we're gonna other just than have i work to, more from home we're just gonna have to agree to agree on that <laughs> <laughs> so so you've uh, written a book and you have a podcast that it's kind of designed to help entrepreneurs what inspired that was it you know something in your own journey that you wish you had yeah so so the the Appleized podcast is no more but the book still exists um what that was is i started my app journey um back when I had a, a bedroom and a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan. And, and the story goes real quick that like I had these paperwork tickets and I was having people sign them and having a small apartment. They, they got so much paper in my apartment, blah, blah, whatever. So I started playing with the iPad when it first came out and 
using it in the bathroom as everyone does and playing with one of those art programs where I can draw my name. And I figured out how to make Excuse a me. PDF signature application, outsourcing that and building out that whole thing. And I built out our first app. I then went on a speaking circuit about doing an extra four hours of work a week using tools like outsourcing and things. And then that's what led to the book, which is the idea, which is capitalized on your idea, bringing any idea to fruition. And yes, that book was 10 years old at this point, but the rules in it still apply. How to come up with an idea, how to get it protected, how to build it, how to build a WordPress website with WooCommerce, which you still do, how to sell it, how to use, how to market, how to get interns, and how you can sell any idea you have and make profit and make money. With two seconds to spare. Well, there's <laughs> one more question though, so you kind of <laughs> screwed the pooch there. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> you showed me the other day, you've got some really cool old uh, old Mac stuff, and, and it seems like if, if they built it, you bought it. So what are you most proud of from your collection? Uh, so I do have a, this huge collection that's over there on my wall. This is my studio inside of my little office. Oh, I thought that was my, the entire one-bedroom apartment. Right <laughs> my one bedroom. No, I live in a big house. I live in Three a, grand a big house. I, live in a house I have to stand up. I stand up uh, to sleep. Yeah. yeah, this is my... I'm in I'm in work position, and now I'm lying down. Now <laughs> what are those Japanese um, cubicles that people live in? Yeah, yeah. those little yeah. hotels. Yeah. Like the... Yeah, the, the hotels, the yeah. pod hotels. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a... I do have a wall over there with a lot of other stuff. What I'm most proud of is actually not a computer, which is my custom-made virtual computer sneakers, because Converse allows you to make custom-made sneakers. So we got them in virtual blue. I even got my logo on the, nice. on the back cool. of it, uh, just because I'm a branding whore. But uh, in terms of <laughs> hardware... Oh my god, this thing is so heavy! This Whoa. is an oh original goodness. Mac Portable. It doesn't boot, and I'm gonna totally drop it. But that'd be great television, right? It would. Look at this thing. Wow. Back when a laptop took your whole lap. Yeah. And, that, and that's got the trackball. <laughs> and your neighbor's lap. <laughs> I brought this to a school of like elementary students a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, What is that? I'm like, It's a laptop. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, look, it even has a handle. And like the first graders couldn't even pick it up. Yeah. So so you said that one doesn't boot? It, do, it yeah. That doesn't work? Or, or you that just can't find the power work. cable? I do have, it just I have an original hernias. 128 that does boot. I have a Mac 20th anniversary that boots. I have a G4 Cube, which was probably one of the best designs that Apple ever came out with, but horrible at sales. I got a lot of like... My pieces are cultured on purpose, right? They're like, the I know what I want. Uh, the one, if anyone has one and wants to sell it to me for cheap, uh, Apple made the JL PGA PowerBook. It's the only PowerBook that's like blue and red and yellow. Look it up. It's super rare. And it was for the Japanese PGA Tour in like 19, I don't know, 89 or something like that. Super rare. If you find one, Huh. Email the guys on the show. They'll connect you to me, and I will buy it from you. I just pulled up a picture. Yeah, it looks almost like a Fisher-Price type yeah. laptop or something. Very yeah. interesting colors. Uh, you know, totally off topic here, but just since you're a Mac guy, you've been involved with a long time, uh, you're a professional, you support this in business environments, I, I have a question for you because this is something that impacts me. Uh, is it? Do I have to fix your computer right now? Like you live? don't. You don't. Okay. So I, I get these pop-ups from time to time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the Mac OS server app, what the hell happened there? Do you do you have an opinion on that? <laughs> uh, we don't uh, have to talk uh, about that. <laughs> um, you know what it is? Uh, Mac OS server was never great. Like, I'm an Apple fanboy, sure, but like, I'll be honest with you. Like, the Mac OS server was their response. And ever since 
Mac OS 10.6, so we're talking about years ago, it's never been great. And, and if you were going to use it for anything, they realize that there's better things that are out there. So when they, when they called off server, uh, I'm a member of what's called the Apple Consultants Network, and there's a bunch of places where we all commune and make fun of Windows people. But um, one, of the, one of our slacks, we were all like, hey, guys, what are we going to do now? And so like the majority of us, it's funny, the majority of us on the East Coast landed on Synology, and the majority of people on the West Coast landed on QNET. Um, but we were like, these things do it better. So let's just use that. Uh, for me personally, I don't care what you use. I don't, because if you're using a Mac or a PC, everyone's going to go look at the same filth on the internet anyway. <laughs> so like, I don't care what, what tool you're using to do it. My thing is, can you do your job? I want to make sure that you can do your job and you can actually get through your day and do what you need to do. Um, no matter what device you're using, whether it's an iOS device, an iPad, a, a Windows machine, whatever. Um, so yeah, for macOS server, good riddance, Viking funeral. So the, got? The, the, the way I, I usually end up in this conversation is people will come to me and cause I, I used to film all sorts of training content for macOS server and, uh, People say, well, Don, now that's gone, I need some kind of directory service, some kind of centralized user account directory. And you can you can go full, get in bed with Apple, do Apple IDs for your company, or you can stand up your own open LDAP server or do a Microsoft Active Directory. Like for you, when you have a customer come to you and say, you know, I, I need centralized user management, what what is it that you use? You know, what, what's the product that you recommend there? So we've tossed between a couple different SSO providers. I don't want to mention by name, but one starts with an O and one starts with a J. Um, but recently what we've been doing is thanks to our RMM tool, which we use Adigy, we can actually tap into your Google account for your identity management. So on a Mac, you can actually start the computer up and you'll be prompted with a Google email login screen. And you could do it with, um, uh, office with, uh, Azure AD as well with the one that we use, but you, you have a Google identity. And so you just sign in with your email address. And we make it nice and easy that way. So we're actually transitioning a lot of people into that. So this way we don't, ha it's one less place for them to have a username and password. Absolutely. And we can just do everything from their email. And because Google has two-factor authentication, the computer now has two-factor authentication. We're so just, we're going to talk we about that a little bit. We are. The, uh, Google two-factor authentication. I saw it on the bottom of the list. I was trying to tease people. <laughs> nice. Stick around yeah. for the end of the show nice. when nice. I'm not on, where these guys try to explain to you how Google identity works with two-factor authentication. Look at this guy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Hey, what a conscientious right. guess. Well, let's yeah, let's let's jump into our our next segment uh, here. Where you know you were just talking about some some good things, but we want to find out what what really pisses you off. So let's look at what grinds my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? This Lindsay Lohan. You know what really grinds my gears? You, America. We now go to Peter for you know what really grinds my gears. All right, so we talked a little bit earlier when Don asked you about, you know, the, the misconceptions around Mac in terms of what it's used for, but but there's other Mac misconceptions that, that upset you as well. So you were telling me a little bit about that the other day, so why don't, why don't you enlighten us? I have to remember what I told you the other day. It's been two days since I talked to you, and I don't remember what I did yesterday. He was drunk. Um, <laughs> What, what really gets me is what, something I was talking about earlier, which is like the fact that software providers will not build for Mac because there's not enough market share. And there's not enough market share because those software de developers don't build for Mac, right? So I feel like at this point, there are so many benefits to Mac, like the Mac operating system, the way it integrates. I know that it's, it's really easy to like crap on it because you're like, oh, you know, Siri's not that good or like, 
how do you know apple ids are funny and whatever but like the fact of the matter is that like the first off the new m series laptops that are out are amazing they're absolutely amazing they will blow anything away that they've ever had before or any other business level pc that you're going to buy for an organization so developers need to really start thinking about building for the mac and they would see such an roi on that because if law firms for example were like we're going to start using mac and use the mac software that to bill 500 dollars every six minutes like that's going to change the game for a lot of people but the software developers need to like get their heads out of the sand and start doing that so that'd be my that'd be my number one my number two is windows guys thinking that they can handle mac oh i think that's what we were talking about right that's what we thought yeah that was it yeah Hey, Windows MSP guys, stop thinking that because it's a Mac, it's easy. If it was so easy, I wouldn't be in business. It just works. Right? Like, it just works. Yeah, it, <laughs> but it, that's the funny thing. People, Even my clients are like, why do I need you? Like when I'm selling a contract, <laughs> I'm selling, why do I need you? Well, I've been in business for 14 years. There's got to be a reason, yeah. right? And it's not just about the Mac itself. It's always about the entire picture, right? How the Macs talk to one another, how the server is going to work, how your network is going to work, all those things. But a lot of the time, P I find PCMSPs tend to say, oh, there's a Mac on the on the environment. We'll either A, ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist and Smart. la, la, la. <laughs> or B, be like, oh, yeah, I can handle it. And then mess it up even more. Well, what, this what is, is what the th my gears. Oh, you stop doing that. We know <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> what What is the thing that they event eventually have to call you about then when they go, Oh, I got this, I got this. And then where they finally throw up their hands and go, okay, I, I screwed I'm this up. I'm holding the code. Uh, when they delete, <laughs> when they delete data. Yeah. When they delete something that's important and then they go, Oh no. Um, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> or as soon as you say, I want to bind my Mac to the active directory. That's another one where they're call us on. Um, I wouldn't say there's any one specific thing. I think it's, can you it's not that, that they're hard. I will say, uh, I've I've had plenty of I've I've worked with Mac since I started working here at IT Pro TV probably seven years ago, and I figured out like the things that I like about it. I'm I'm totally on board with you about the M1s. They are obviously the hardware of the future. I mean, absolutely no question, hands down, the most performance you're going to get out of a laptop comes from the M1 Apple. But to your point as well. I, I need some software that'll run on the dang thing so I can do my job. Uh, so that would be great. And when that comes around, I'm, I'm totally going back to a Mac because I, I do like the hardware. I hate the operating system because for me, it's weird. Uh, don't eject a, a thumb drive and watch that thing go bye-bye. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I run into a lot that was very uh, frustrating for me working coming from Windows where I just pull you know, thumb drives in and out. You're supposed to eject them? Oh, yeah. You're supposed to eject yeah. them on Windows also. You are, but it doesn't give you the, hey, this device is now bricked. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Hold on. You're, you're misreading that, that pop-up. That pop-up says... You ejected this incorrectly. It's reminding you not to be a dummy. No, 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 no. <laughs> right so you no, no, don't no, no. lose data. No, it's when, trying to when, help when you. It's, when it goes, hey, this doesn't work anymore because I, I totally stuck it in the toilet and flushed it. <laughs> I go, oh, that's... That's unfortunate because I accidentally forgot to hit the eject button on this. I think the bigger question is who still uses thumb drives? Like, isn't Ooh. everything in the cloud? That's what this is for. Oh, well, <laughs> well he's a penetration tester, so uh, yeah, I drop thumb drives. People use them. He's counting on people. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. yeah. So don't pick that one up in your driveway. <laughs> well, 
You know, let me, I, I want to go back to the, the first part of the Grind My Gears about, you know, developers. Yeah. And because there's something that I, I've talked to a few people about and there's some uncertainty over. Uh, over the last few years, Apple really, they, they, they took their foot off the gas when it came to Mac OS for several years. And then they're, they're picking up now by introducing a bunch of things that are really breaking a lot of stuff. So, you know, switching hardware architecture and so on. Uh, there's a lot of people that felt like Apple was really leaning towards making the iPad OS become the operating system of their regular desktop hardware. Do you feel there's any, any truth to that? Is that the direction Apple is going? Or do you think Mac OS is, is here to stay? I've, I've heard that also where it's going to become one unified OS and, and I don't see that happening. I think that until the, I think it's cool that you can, you can run iOS or iPad OS, let's be specific, apps on an M1 machine. Um, you can do that now, but I don't think there's going to be necessarily one unified OS. I think there's just too much involved with the, the backend infrastructure of Mac OS that the iPad just can't handle. Um, even if they move the iPads to an M-style chip, there's just so much going on within the Mac OS that the iPad OS just doesn't have to do. I thought on they already did. Basis. Aren't the, the the new iPads? Aren't they on M ones? Uh, I think the new iPad Pros are. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have one, so I don't really. If I don't own it, I don't care about it. I don't know. <laughs> you should. You should um, talk I like your to philosophy. The, <laughs> you should talk to the owner of your company and see uh, yeah. get him to loosen the purse strings. That's there. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the nice thing too about about you know on the flip side of you know people aren't building software for it is you know the virus uh, developers are not building viruses as much. So you know that that. That yeah. works. That's absolutely. We not still true, get probably. we still get malware though, right? Yes. Malware and 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 virus pass through has always been a thing on 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 Mac, right? There's a lot of time, especially like Word macro viruses was always the number one thing that Macs always got. A PC with from a USB stick has a Word file, <laughs> and it gets emailed to a Mac, and that person then takes that Word file, and emails it to another PC. That second PC is going to get that virus. The Mac was just the the pass through. Um, we, we get malware, there is malware bytes, there are Bitdefender, there's a lot of tools out there. I think what is the bigger one is that we don't get encryptionware right now. Like, Macs can be affected by encryptionware. Uh, I had a client, they were using Dropbox, they had a PC also connected to Dropbox. The PC got encryptionware and encrypted everything in Dropbox, so none of the Mac users can access the files in Dropbox. But the Macs themselves were totally fine. So there is... There is a, what is it like? Obscurity is the bene is the beneficiary, right? Like yeah. it's it, it's not going to affect us. I think if the Mac profile moved up higher and there was more market share, then the chance of encryptionware being a thing and the chance of more viruses being a thing would absolutely be the next part of it. Yeah. What 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 Peter? You're you're what you're actually talking about is what's called commodity malware, where. Mm -hmm. I need to just grab off the shelf and do something. Most of that commodity type malware is geared toward uh, the Windows operating system because of its prevalence. But if I was targeting somebody that ran a Mac shop, I could totally malware them. Yeah. It's just going to be custom built stuff sure. and, yeah. and, and sent their way. And the other side is like, if you had a choice, who would you, like, let's say you were super baddie and you wanted to make some money, who would you going to target? The airline 
or the the graphic design yeah, company that yeah. we don't really care about anything. <laughs> well, we just want to make nice pictures. Like, I know this guy problem, can like, afford a twenty five hundred dollar laptop. He's got a <laughs> yeah, little bit of money true. sitting around. Spirit <laughs> Airlines. Clearly I can't. I don't right. have a new iPad. It's they not. have nine hundred dollar <laughs> wheels on computer. Yeah. We go after them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spirit Airlines can't afford yeah. you know to put wheels on the plane. No, no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone all landings are now water landings. Yeah, they're like, oh, you wanted to land? You have to pay extra. Yeah, that's imagine Spirit Airlines. Spirit Airlines got bought up by Apple and they replaced all the wheels on the plane with the Mac Pro wheels. That would be, like, funny. That would be really tight. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. What were we shot down? What, happened? Yeah. what was the Snoop Dogg film with the airplane? Uh, Soul Plane. Soul, Soul Plane. plane. Yeah, there we it. go. Yeah, they had the hydraulics <laughs> on, the, on the plane. As all you right. Do. Well, uh, let's jump ahead here. So I know uh, you guys do a conference as well. Is that is that through your your company or is it a separate venture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 all owned under. Well, it's just me, so it's all under me. Ah. Um. Yeah, so we do we do what's called the ACES Conference. So we're going into our eighth year, and it's all about the business side of IT consulting, specifically for Apple consultants, um, because that didn't exist in the arena, right? So this all stemmed from when I started my business, I would go to these Mac conferences, and they were all, here's how you install a printer at 400 computers with like a single terminal command. And I was like, I still have paperwork tickets, and I don't know how to bill properly, and how, my clients are bothering me at 9 in the morning. There's got to be a better way to do this. And then I found out that no one else in my industry had a good enough answer. So I started the conference for two reasons. One, gave me an excuse to travel. And two, I wanted to learn from everybody else. So eight years later, I can't travel because of COVID and I haven't had time to listen to a single presentation because when you're running a conference, you're running around making sure the air conditioning's fine, everyone's got drinks, the bill's being paid, the tables are okay, the books. So I haven't listened to a single presentation either. So I've completely failed at running a conference at the same time, completely succeeded, which I find amazing. Um, yeah, so that, that takes place in May and it's, it'll it's be virtual in May, on Thursdays, right? Yeah, so this year it's virtual every Thursday in May from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern about um, we'll have a couple topics. We'll do uh, an accountability session this year. Normally, after topics, we do a roundtable sort of function. Uh, so this year, our big topics are accountability and like the future of our business and where we're going from here. So get your accountability buddy and and head over to the <laughs> uh, to the event. That sounds great. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for taking the time today and uh, you know being a good sport as. Uh, we crap on on Apple, which we love. I mean, Don and I both have Mac. Sure. I mean, I'm I'm rocking the old 30 pin iPad here because because it still you know uh, makes fart noises just as well as uh, you know. One I, have of the newer a, pros. I have a 16 gig iPod Touch still in service. Yeah, uh, there you go. yeah. They they make phenomenal hardware. I cannot I cannot deny that. They design they just work. phenomenal just hardware. Work. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Yes, they design phenomenal hardware. They do not make it. <laughs> yeah. Little children yes. make that for you. So, but thank you, kids. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Gratitude to all of you. And uh, I hope everyone listening, be well and, and be safe and, and stop crapping on Max. <laughs> yeah, because cleaning that out is what he's got to do. And yeah. that's horrible. I can't wait to be a hypocrite with that new M1. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and look at the news this week on Technado with Don Pizzette. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Don Pizzette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. 
Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to Technado with Don Pizzette. Thank you so much to Justin. That was really fun. He, uh, good, good guy. Yeah, to fit good right guest. in with the, the culture here. Yeah. Except for the fact they liked Apple so much. Yeah, I mean, as a thank you for being on the show, we're going to send him a Windows laptop. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Surface Pro. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be able to watch this episode right. and so, pretty easily. All right, well, we've got a lot of news, um, some, some fun ones, some funny ones. Uh, so let's jump right in. This one is neither of those. Uh, <laughs> it's from ArsTechnica.com. Raspberry Pi bootloader enables OS installs with no separate PC required. Uh, the beta bootloader is available now and will roll out to all Pi 4 boards later. So does this mean I can just upgrade it uh, completely with on its own without needing another device to plug in? So not, not just upgrade, like do a fresh and clean install. So normally when you buy a Raspberry Pi, and I know Daniel used use some, yep. I use the heck out of Raspberry Pis, uh, your first step is to take a SD card and hook it up to your computer. So you can flash an image to the SD card, and then you can take that and pop it in your Raspberry Pi and boot it up the first time. So you really do need a second computer to start using a Raspberry Pi. Well, that's no longer true with the latest bootloader. And with the latest bootloader, you can fire up a Raspberry Pi with a blank SD card in it. And in the bootloader, it will allow you to access the RP RPI, or Raspberry Pi, imager. And it can download an image right off of the internet. So it can just, you know, get a DHCP address on the network, connect out to the external servers, and throw on... And when I first saw this, I thought they were just going to do the Ras Raspberry Pi OS. But they actually are doing... Uh, all the various variants, like Ubuntu, which is what I use. There's RetroPie for the video gamers. Um, I forget the media streaming one uh, that's really popular, Alki or something like whatever his name know. is. Yeah. But uh, you know, just a bunch of images like that. So you can boot up the Raspberry Pi. You still have to hook a monitor up to it and a keyboard so you can yeah, see what the going to say. Yeah, on. unless you memorize I mean, the keystrokes, you still need That's how computers monitor. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so right now, some people look at a Raspberry Pi as being a great entry-level PC. You just, if you're, say, uh, like in an un unprivileged family, you right. don't have a lot of money, a Raspberry Pi is 40 bucks, and, and off you go. Well, but now you need access to another computer and an SD card reader and all this other stuff. So all those obstacles get removed. It's a pretty cool thing. It's it's super cool. I thought this was a phenomenal idea when I was reading the article. I said, oh, yeah, no, this is smart because, it, A, it removes a step for me to have to, like, yep. flash because that can be a problem. I've, I've gotten pretty good at doing it with, like, a DD, but, yeah, that's a great way to destroy your data if you don't do it right. Yeah. Um, so yep. there's that. But um, just to be able to plug it in, give it – I assume you just give it an IP address – it gives you a drop-down menu of which one you want, and or does it does it connect automatically? Do you have to? to it connects automatically. Oh, I mean, you, even better. So it it will look for an OS on your SD card first, or EMM, EM, ah, EMMC if you have one of the uh, the compact versions. But if it doesn't find it, then it boots into this other part of the bootloader, and that's what's in beta. So your your Raspberry Four won't do it right now unless you load the beta bootloader, and later that's going to be formalized and rolled out. Uh, they are only supporting the Raspberry Four and higher, which you just have the four. Well, you have those variant devices like the Raspberry yeah. 400 where it's in a keyboard. That one counts too. Oh, okay. And the CM4, the Compute Module 4, that so, one's supported. So it's kind of like along in that four family. Yes. You're good to go. Yep. Three and earlier, out of yeah, luck. The bootloader just doesn't have enough memory it's for junk it. junk anyway. And these things, like you said, are relatively... <laughs> 
inexpensive. I would say they're junk. I still use some threes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, don't, don't piss on my threes. Well, the, 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 I have a pie hole at home, uh, yeah. which you had one. Yeah, Do you still hole. use it? Yeah. So I, I use a Raspberry Pi 3 for that just because I had it laying around. Yeah, I think I've, I ported that over to a Zero. So. Oh, went even smaller. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can run it in a Docker container. It, it doesn't take much resources to run your yeah. pie hole, so... It's a, it's an easy, yeah. <laughs> well, as a child over here, I don't, you know, understand the things you're actually saying, but I, I'm hearing words like you guys comparing your piles. Well, tell you me can, about your pile. You run your pie hole all the time. That's a you? good looking pile you got there, Don. Yeah. Well, when did this become deliverance? <laughs> yeah. Do I have, you know, the closest, yeah. closest I have to that is, uh, that's, that's a different, that's a different story. Yeah, it's not quite the same. It's similar. Uh, all right. Well. Yeah, so, you know, good news for everyone's pie holes at home. There you go. Um, that you can, yeah. I'm just trying to remember the name of that video streaming image because I, I said the wrong name. Like Locky or something like that. I don't know. I, I use Plex for this. Ryan Locky. Yeah. Oh. Ryan Locky started it. Maybe. Can Maybe. you run Plex on a, on a Raspberry? I would assume you can. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think they have an ARM image. But yeah. We'll have to find out. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Get you're another Raspberry. You're going to need a little more storage. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. No, the storage is always outsourced. That's true. That's true. All right. Let's move on to hardware.slash.org for our next article. Intel's pay as you go CPU feature gets launch window. So, what is a pay as you go? Are we like renting a a computer image essentially? All right. Well, CPUs for several decades now have had some advanced features in them, and sometimes they're they're really popularized. You'll hear about these features, these extensions, or whatever that's added onto them. Other times, it's stuff that just happens in the background, nobody ever hears about. Uh, when virtualization was really picking up, so we had Type One hypervisors. Everybody would say, "Oh, I need." Intel uh, VTD, right? The the virtualization technology. I need that, or the the VIO stuff. That all of those were extra features that were built into the CPU that you could turn on and use, or or ignore and not use. It was kind of up to you. Um, I think it all really started with the SSE, which were some old uh, graphics acceleration stuff from way back in the day. But the point was, they were built into the CPU, and you could turn them on or off at your leisure, and it didn't matter. Well, Intel has been working on some new technologies in their Xeon CPUs to do what's called software-defined silicon, or SDSI, where the technology is, is software that's deployed in the CPU. And not only can it be turned on and off by default, it's kind of a you pay as you go model so if you need this feature you can pay extra for a license to unlock it in the cpu and now you get that extra feature now from intel's perspective they're looking at it as hey we can make these cpus way more customizable and if you want to do bitcoin mining you can pay extra for this bitcoin mining piece but if you don't care about bitcoin mining you don't pay extra for that and you don't have that functionality and off you go but for the rest of the thinking world that has, you know, two brain cells or more, you look at it and say, all right, well, they're trying to go the old IBM mainframe way where you don't buy a CPU anymore. You kind of rent a CPU or now you got to pay as you go to use the features of a piece of hardware that you thought you bought. We'll have to see how it actually develops. Uh, up until recently, it's kind of been just an idea Intel had, but now they are actually rolling out support. Uh, support for it is going to land in Linux in the 5.18 kernel that is coming soon. So uh, so you'll start to see this in coming CPU generations. Could I run this off my Raspberry? 
Uh, you can't because Raspberry Pis Those don't run Intel CPUs. CPUs. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, same thing with Macs, right? So you yep. got your your M1s now, so not Intel CPUs. I feel like if that uh, horsepower is under the hood. Those people that like that Bitcoin, they're going to find out how to get at it without oh, yeah. paying no money. They've been doing that with the GPUs, yeah. right? Where, uh, was it NVIDIA or ATI? Uh, One of them made it where you couldn't mine Bitcoin on the GPU, and it was days before they... Yeah, that's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would assume that this would also... Be. It's like, uh, remember when they came out with the... Um, the, the, the encryption that they use around DVDs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, the and CSS. Some, some kid in, like, Norway was like, yeah, that's done. Yeah, fixed it. Yeah, fixed it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But fortunately, at least for right now, this is targeted at Xeon CPUs, which are, yeah. are really server CPUs. Right. You don't normally run those in desktops, although you can. Uh, so most people won't be affected by this. And hopefully it just gets deployed at, at Apple. <laughs> Intel tries it out for a little while and then moves on. We'll, we'll have to see. All right, we'll keep indeed. an eye on that. Yes. All right, this next article uh, is from AndroidPolice.com, and it, it's an interesting one. Uh, Google's default two-step verification cut account breaches by 50%. And so this is something they turned on, what, like middle of last year where it was no longer optional to go two-factor. Uh, you, you had to do it. Yeah, we reported on that because yeah. it was a big deal. You know, yeah. you had to inform your end users that as of a certain time, you're going to have to turn on two-factor. Uh, I had to I had to call my parents and let them know <laughs> because they have Google accounts and, you know, they had to turn it on, which they should have had on already, but sure. you know how it is with parents. So, uh, so it was a big deal. Well, Google has come out now that it's, it's been a few months and they've said, look, hey, just turning this feature on has cut down account breaches by 50%. Now, when I heard that, I thought, what the hell is going on at Google? Do they have like this meter of like account breaches? I, so I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, it cut down on 50% of the people surveyed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, like a, in the past, we used to ignore 100% of these. Now we can ignore 50% of these. Yeah, much less. I, I, I just don't see how strange. this is a realistic metric. Yeah. Uh, They're breaking it up. They're I mean, would it be based on like support calls of people saying, help, I'm, I'm They just went around account. the office and said, who's got that two-factor? Yeah. Did you get hacked? You get hacked. You get hacked. Yeah. No, all right, about 50% of it. That sounds good. Write it up. Call it a, call it a fact. The, the only way that I could possibly think they can measure this is based on support tickets, right? So yeah. people saying, hey, my account got hacked. If that number went down by 50%, then maybe that's where they get it. But if you've ever opened a support ticket with Google, you know that they absolutely ignore those. So yeah, I, yeah, I just so. don't. <laughs> yeah, they're like, someone actually opened that inbox that gets the support tickets and see if there's less of them now. Or, yeah. Or maybe they don't ignore them. They they do actually catalog the number. Like, woo, we're up to ten thousand today. <laughs> yeah, and trying to keep an eye on. How many we call on. back? None. None. Why yeah, would we do well, that. Call them back. Calling them. That yeah, would take this, a phone. No, this no, is just no, for. This was just for fun. <laughs> harvesting information. <laughs> That's what we're in the business. Yeah, of doing. from yeah Remember? from our subjects. I mean, customers. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, subjects. Well, Which you know, we joke about it, but I honestly do think that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, we should have asked uh, our our guest last week who used to work at Google. Like, what do you guys do with those? Do you do you just open them every now and again and laugh? Do you ever think about the customer? Yeah. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> how quickly uh, after you join do they tell you that that don't be evil thing is just just for fun. just something we say. Yeah. Yeah. They really don't <laughs> well, say it anymore. They, they, they said they, they took it down. Yeah. yeah. It's not their it's not their motto anymore. Yeah, well, they took off the don't be, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just, just evil. Google. Evil. evil. Yeah. 
All right. They got uh, some horns on their logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd that, be like one of the Google Doodles one day. Yeah. Like, we're just going to leave that one. We really like it. Yeah, we're going with this. All right. Our next article is something dumb. Uh, so let's uh, <laughs> let's do our dough segment. All right, this comes to us from TheVerge.com. The funding site linked to Canadian trucker protest hacked. Donor info leaked online. It's Give, Send, Go that uh, had become the go-to fundraising platform for the so-called Freedom Convoy. And this will be a fun one to to discuss without getting political, guys, but uh, more more hacktivism, which is something we've been talking about recently. You know, Daniel and I had a conversation about it this morning. So this one's not so much about the politics of it, but but kind of the technology that's going on behind the scenes here. Now, if... If you've not heard about this, there is a protest going on right now in Canada, which is odd because you don't normally associate Canada with protests. They're apologizing. People. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but basically, a bunch of uh, people are parking semi-trucks to block various major road arteries into Canada from the United States uh, in protest of mass mandates and other types of and then downtown right like in the capital ottawa like kind of just uh, they've been to a few different cities i think so i i think that's a a political (laughs) free way of describing that so uh but facts but as daniel and i were talking about this morning it's kind of funny uh they needed money for fuel and so they they needed fuel to keep these trucks moving or not moving uh and (laughs) to keep uh, them parked and so they they were receiving donations and i i made the joke and i'm I'm gonna fess up to this on the podcast because i told daniel i said daniel I don't understand this. Like, how much fuel does it take to not move your truck, right? They're blocking the bridge. It just sits there. What do they need fuel for? And Daniel, you reminded me of a very important fact. Yes, since my father was a truck driver since 1955, uh, yeah, you need uh, heat in the cold. Yeah. And, and we're talking about really Canada. really cold in Canada. Yeah. And if you want to run a heat in that truck, you're going to have to turn it on. I mean, that's the best place to be in a protest, like the back of one of those cabs. You got, you know, the <laughs> they, call it, they call them condos. Do they really? Uh, yeah. So the, a condo uh, cab is where you have the extended. With the little right? bed. And- Some of them have like toilets yeah. and bunk beds. Like you can go up a level. Mm-hmm. They call those condos. Yeah, I'll be in the second story. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got those those full custom jobs, man. It's like a it's like a moving apartment. Yeah. So I think they were shut uh, uh, shut down on, um, you know, kind of the, the more traditional funding sites, the... Um, GoFundMe, GoFundMe, yeah, and those, yeah, yeah. GoFundMe. So they like, so they went over to the the gifts and go, yeah. and I mean, it just seems like it, these days, if if you are doing something that's at all controversial, you are the target of of hacktivists. Yep. Now, in this case, the hacktivists didn't have to work very hard, so they wanted to find out who's giving money to support these protests, and that's you know done anonymously normally, and so you can't find out. Uh, unfortunately, gifts and go stored their their data for all donations in an Amazon S3 bucket. And Daniel, I'll give you one guess for what they did with that S3 bucket. They made it public. Uh, they certainly did. And, you know, it's funny because when you create an S3 bucket these days, it's by closed by default. You have to make it public. Like it used to be the other way around. Yeah, it's yeah. a switch. Right? Yeah. Uh, but years ago, they, they switched that. So at some point, they willingly just said, you know what? It's a unique so ID. No one will guess it. there are legitimate reasons for... Uh, making your S3 bucket buckets public yeah. and to everyone. Kind if of it's practice. where you store your favorite icon. Yeah. 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 Uh, also with like uh, different types of websites require, if you're pulling 
uh, information from S3 buckets, you'll have to like give them public access so that they can be used as a resource. I'm learning all about S3 buckets right now and um, AWS hacks and how that how stuff works. I'm trying to work up a series for that. But there are some legit r- reasons for that to happen. If you can, and, and apparently it's not as easy as it seems to just go in and create a bunch of, of correct rules. It's really easy to like accidentally over permission something pretty simply or think that, oh, since this is a, a, only on my, uh, I'm making it for um, AWS verified accounts, that's for my account. No, it's for all of AWS. So there's some some ambiguity that goes on with some of the permissions that go on with AWS on the backside, and yeah. it's really easy to make a mistake like that. You've got to you've got to write the correct rules, right. and you've got to create the cores file right for yep. the cross origin yeah. sharing and all that mess. So th- there is a lot that goes into it. Yeah, but. You could also say, hey, if you're going to deploy in the cloud, you should probably learn the technology you're working Absolutely. on. Uh, Absolutely. And this is another scenario where they didn't. And so all of their donation data was basically available to the public. And uh, hackers were able to find that pretty easily, extract the data, and are now... Uh, they leaked some of it. I don't know that they yeah. leaked all of it yet, but yeah, they, they said they were going to. What was yeah. interesting, but they also shut down the site and and replaced it with. Well, it says in the okay, article they, they it. did some. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They, activist they uh, they they put a, a video from Frozen, but the article's wrong. I'm I'm almost positive that's Frozen too. Um, <laughs> yeah, Snopes is uh, verified false. Yeah, oh, my <laughs> this goodness. is not. Yeah, that's kind of how Snopes works nowadays. But uh, you know, it's interesting though. It brings up a good point. Is if you have an environment, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're a, a, a funding site or you're running X, Y, or Z type of companies, you make one mistake, it's going to get found out. It's going to, and if someone targets yeah. you, you, it will be found. So hire a good security team, do a lot of diligence when it comes to setting up permissions and, and looking for those things before somebody decides to put a bullseye on you. And, I, and come after you. I did think it was pretty funny because they redirected it, and I can't find it in the article, but I know it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, from givesendgo.com yeah. to givesendgone.wtf. And oh, so I thought that was that was entertaining. And that's <laughs> well, where the Frozen video was. Activists, at least, are, are funny. <laughs> you got we'll a sense of humor. Back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at something um, that, well, I guess it's conspiracy theory because this is tinfoil hat time. Landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? All right, this one comes to us from gizmodo.com. A hacker group has been framing people for crimes they didn't commit. A recent study shows the tactics and techniques of a cybercrime group that is known for planting incriminating evidence on the devices of activists in India. And I'm watching uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson now because I never watched that Dude, before. That's so. a great series. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be gone from Netflix at the end of this oh, month, so I'm like, oh, I got to watch yeah, this because I've been meaning to. Yeah. And so that's basically, I think, what happened here. Uh, just the more t- technological version <laughs> of, of Mark Furman and the and the and bloody the, glove, the Bruno Molly shoes. Yeah. 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 And the isotoners. So, yeah. uh, so why is this tinfoil hat done? All right. So there is a bit of a conspiracy theory here that there are uh, there's a number of governments that have been actively working against reporters and journalists. So that that's kind of a known thing. Uh, but many reporters have claimed that they've been moved against uh, without actually having any evidence of it. And 
some of them have actually been detained or arrested and claimed their innocence. Well, there was a quote on this at some point about like, if you go into a prison and ask anybody if they're innocent, like everybody's going to say yes. So, uh, uh, many of them have claimed that there was a conspiracy that there, that somebody planted evidence on their devices. Well, turns out some of them are actually telling the truth. They, they may not necessarily have the facts behind it, but that is actively happening. So a, a, uh, uh, a hacking group called Elephant has apparently specialized in this, that they will gain access to a person's machine through any number of different means. And once they're in there, instead of encrypting the entire hard drive, instead of exfiltrating all of the data, instead of all the normal things we see an attacker do, in this case, they plant documents or images or other things to potentially could, frame a person for a crime. Yeah, you could change like geolocation information, right? I mean, you could go yeah. back and say, yeah, they were there at this time. Or- now, we don't know who Elephant is. So if we really want to go full-blown conspiracy theory, you could say that Elephant is the government and that if the government wanted to detain a reporter and needed an excuse to do it, here's their way. They plant the evidence. Now they get a warrant. They seize the person's laptop. They know what they're looking for. They find it, yeah. and now they've got the person in jail. So it's uh, it's really interesting. I have never, never encountered something like this before where evidence was being planted, but in a digital world, it seems totally possible. Well, we, we did that story sometime last year about uh, what's, the, what's the Israeli company that made the uh, Cellbrite? Um, where they found a way that you could modify information through that. And and mm-hmm. there was no proof that anyone had ever done that, but just the proof of concept. And so we were talking about appeals and stuff coming up from that. So this is, this is not using this software in this case, but this is kind of that, uh, you know, what we were worried about could happen from that actually happening. Yeah, that well, that was with iPhones. Yeah, that was with phones. Um, this is more... On, same idea, yeah. though. Uh, in this case... It's probably a little worse because it can be done over the internet. Yeah, you know, done remotely, not necessarily. Yeah, the other one required physical access to the phone. Right, and so in this case, they could potentially plant things. Now, uh, what I wanted to ask Daniel specifically on this one was, you know, if if a hacker breaks into my laptop. I, I, I rely on some kind of visual cue that that's happened. Some files missing. All my files are encrypted and there's a ransom note sitting yeah, on the desktop. Yeah, a skull normally comes up on the screen from <laughs> I, what yeah. I've seen. I, I see uh, binaries running in yeah. my activity monitor. They're eating up a bunch of CPU. There's usually something that tips me off. But if they break in and just plant a file, I don't. I'm, I might not see that. I might not see that for months, years, ever, right? So, Daniel, how would you protect yourself from something like that? So, the way I, it's 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 tough. You got. I was telling Don, I was like, you basically need to live like a drug dealer, right? Where you're constantly trying to <laughs> avoid leaving any evidence that you were ever there, uh, and that's if you were a journalist, you would need to go through some like multi-step filtering process of getting data from one computer into another that is now air gapped and hidden at your grandma's house underneath the bed. You know, you're going to have to go through some, some real sanitation and protective measures to keep yourself safe because it is super difficult to keep this from happening. You need to run something like, you know, I mean, I'm thinking tripwire like off the top of my head where if files change, doesn't matter whether you changed them or, Anything, if a file changes, if there is any change, there needs to be a record of it. You need to be logging because if I'm making logs of connections through uh, uh, network connectivity, then I can see, hey, look, I saw that file being transferred from here to here at this time, at this date. And, oh, look, I also have malware. It's going to be an investigative procedure if you do get it. But, like, being 
brought to the attention that you you would have to see what is that file? Let me let what, me give what's going you, on here. Let me give you a scenario, right? So let's say that Peter is running uh, Google Drive. Yes. Right, so you I signed am. up for a cloud account. You got the Google Drive client installed. It's syncing down to your laptop. As an outside attacker, I gain access to his Google account some way. Right, maybe okay. he didn't have two-factor turned on, and I guessed his password. Yes, I could upload a file into the cloud drive.google.com. Right, it would automatically download to his laptop. There's not going to be a visual indicator there. Well, Google will have a record of that happening, though, that it came from, because you'd have to submit oh, a DNS IP records uploaded. and IPs. And, oh, got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, again, investigation would occur. That would be the incident responder team that would come in and, and gather all that forensic in, in, uh, evidence. But until he knows about it, and if he never does, and all of a sudden the police show up at his house one day and the go, there. there's data. It is there. And his lawyers would have to build a strong case proving going through subpoenas of, of things like that. It would be a, an arduous process. Yeah, the burden of proof is on me at right. that point. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, the good news is, is that, at least in America, you're innocent until proven guilty. Okay. They, and as soon as your lawyer casts reasonable doubt on the fact that, oh, we see that he did have malware installed in his computer, or we we Google or, um, we subpoenaed these records from Google, and they do show connectivity coming in from Bangladesh or wherever, and that file was uploaded from here and not him, we can prove that, my client was not even connected at that point in time. It, well, it would be hard to do, but you would be able to do it. Yeah. And that's basically what happened here is a, a security firm called Arsenal Consulting was able to dig into this reporter's laptop and their information and find that attackers had gained access to it and had access to the laptop for 22 months. Whoa. So for almost two years, they had the ability to manipulate data on that laptop and had planted information. Yeah, they must have been keeping that laptop running like a kitten because uh, laptops don't last no two years. Well, yeah. <laughs> so with the, the stories about the... Uh, uh, NSO or Pegasus yeah. and all that, like they're, they're saying that there are some governments out there that are just compromising as many devices as possible, not necessarily doing anything with them, but just in case yep. they need them yeah, in the future. Know. And that may well be what happened here. Do we know that this was an actual elephant doing this? <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they've gotten sentient and uh, yeah, they're very organized. Yeah. I'm sick of these guys riding me. That's you right. know, elephants terrible finger typists yeah yeah they're just not just not good bad. with great that. memories though. Yeah. <laughs> i watched a show called i was bitten by an elephant and the dude was straight up bit by an elephant uh he was uh, he's like he was a translator in china and they saw everybody told him you gotta go see the elephants he said so i go see the elephants and then there was a whole herd of them out in the middle of the jungle oh no and i reached out and touched one and it was the baby, and the mama just went berserk and mm. like ran him down to a tree and started stomping his guts out and bit him in half, like folded his body. Wait, and in he half told this story. He lived like some hiker found the dude, like moaning to death in the, in the jungle. Folded. He yeah. said, "I was like, oh, thank God." And then he ran off. Nice. He came back with somebody else to oh, to help, and they got him to like some. Like backwood, hospital. No, they got him some backwards hospital. They <laughs> yeah. got him triaged enough to fly him into like a big major city with a big uh -huh. hospital, and they saved him. Yeah, huh. he's like, oh, I can't walk right and everything again, but I'm alive. What? I was like, that's the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. I was bitten. Crazy movie or show? Yeah, uh, show. Check that out. By Elephants. a by a flipping elephant. Vegetarian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Piss him off. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's say F around and find out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> see what happens. All right. Uh, we've got a webinar coming up. It's actually happening. Let's see. Is this today? No, this is next week. Um, Thursday, February 24th. Uh, starting your ethical hacking career, a pen tester's guide. Uh, it's with Philip Wiley, and we'll be giving away a copy of his book, which is what the pen test blueprint. blueprint. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, going to be a good one to check out for sure. Head over to itpro.tv/webinars to check that out. Uh, then head over to it or no to technado technado.com. Let's do that. Uh, and that's where you can find out all the information about this show. You can send us viewer mail, let us know what you want us to cover, and you can click that big orange button in the corner that says Sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal membership to IT Pro TV. You can also request a team trial uh, and find out the features available to teams of two or more from IT Pro TV. So check all that out. All right, great show today, guys. Uh, yeah. Conspiracy theories, fun conversation, grinds my gears. I mean, this one of good ones. bites. Elephant yeah. bites, all and, things and, I didn't and don't expect. get bit by a stiletto snake either. That's not good. I'll look that up. <laughs> Be warned, it is graphic. I will not look that <laughs> up. As opposed to all of the snakes you do want to get bitten yeah, by. Sure. Let me tell you what, if there are other snakes that you can get bit by, that's probably it's, an option. You're be- you better off take. doing that. Yeah. Okay. Good Just to know. FYI. All right, on that note, uh, we will see you next week right here on Technado with Tom Pazette. Thanks. Thanks.